Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin. With your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! everyone. I want to welcome you to a special Thursday edition of the Seattle Sinbin Podcast. My name, I'm your host, Paul Rogers. Uh, my co-host, Otto, is not with us today, unfortunately. Um, but we decided to do a special podcast because um, Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times uh, reported this week that um, there's some more news going on with Key Arena. And he reported that there is a group in New Mexico um, that is... Um, willing and interested in um, doing some funding for that for the remodel of that arena. And so uh, Jeff has graciously uh, agreed to come on the line with us. And uh, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a while. How are you? It, I'm doing great. It has been a while. There's so many things that have happened since the last time we talked, including a huge swing and miss by uh, Seattle NHL people not to apply for expansion and uh, just all kind of things going on. But Jeff, before we get into the uh, into the key arena bit, um, you know, you tweeted yesterday that uh, we're going to talk some Habs. So um, you guys are off to a good start, aren't you? And PK, PK Subban is uh, behaving more like a center than he is a defenseman, isn't he? Fifteen assists so far this season. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see him get the assists. I, I think they were starting to rely on him a little too much for the goal-scoring part of it, especially on the power play. If you notice, I, I mean, uh-huh. the key to stopping a Canadian's power play is just get in front of Subban before he even gets the puck because you know he's going to try to shoot all the time, and he was missing the net because he was trying to shoot. He was he was trying to be their, their goal-scoring catalyst on the power play, and, and it got to be too much. you got to spread the spread the puck around a little, and, and it was getting to the point where everybody knew he was going to be getting it and trying the shot, and so they'd be blocking his shots, and it was to the point where 90% of the shots were either missing the net or entirely or he was breaking a stick or, or somebody was blocking it. So I, I think that's a big key is not over-relying on him. Uh, he's a great playmaker, yeah. and he's got to be able, you know, as a defenseman. And, and, um, but I think that, that's been the key to the Habs' whole start this year has just been not one over-reliance on anybody, be it the goalie, be it Subban on the power play, uh, you know, you've had a lot of guys step up and they have to they have to spread it around a little more, especially now that Price is hurt um, and he has been for a little longer than anybody anticipated. I think, you know, you can't trust your backup goalie in there, Condon, in, in there as much uh, on, on a day-to-day basis. Now you're going to start to see Condon giving up 
more than, you know, one goal a game just because there's a reason he's a backup. And uh, so right. you really have to tighten up in front of him as well. And I think they've done a great job doing that up to this point. It looks like there hasn't been much drop-off with Condon. I mean, he they both have the same save percentage uh, and about the same number of games. But, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, anytime you've got a backup in there for long term, you're going to start seeing some kind of drop-off eventually. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I, it, yeah, I don't. I'm not saying he's playing poorly by any by by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, you know, he's not Carey Price. And you know, like a game like last right. night in, in Pittsburgh, you know, that's a game the Canadians could have won. I think if Price was in the net and, and just giving you those yeah. extra those extra saves. They got to stay away from that too. I mean, the thing I've seen with them the last couple of weeks since their winning streak ended, um, they're back to you know playing those games where one goal is going to decide it either way. And I think they have to get away from that where they were succeeding earlier. Was when they were winning games more like four to one, five to two, rather than every game being like a two-two tie going in at late stages of the third period. And they've gotten into that rut again, where where they've been playing that way for the last, you know, couple of weeks. It's not bad to do it for a couple of weeks, but when you start doing it all season, that's what happened to them last year. And then they ran into a hot team, and they, uh, you know, the, the one goal starts to go the other way. Yeah, I, I think they were showing a lot more balance early on this year than people expected, and they got to keep doing it. So do you think they have it in them to uh, make a Stanley Cup run this year? Yeah, I definitely do. I think that they've improved. Uh, they've got more balance, like I was saying, on all four of their lines. And, uh, you know, they have the best goalie in the league. Uh, that, And if he stays healthy, I mean, that's the key. He's got to stay healthy. Uh, they, they almost made the finals two years ago. Uh, so I think this is a better all-around team. I think they've gained a little experience, a little maturity. And they're playing the tough teams really well this year. Um, they, they've got their winning on the road, which is very important. Uh, so, yeah, I think they – and they've beaten physical teams too. Um, you know, they've shown that they can play the Western teams well. Uh, whereas last year there was a little bit of a doubt about that. Uh, so, yeah, I think they have it in them to make a cup run, definitely. Okay. All right, so a few weeks back uh, it came out that um, the the city of Seattle had a report stashed away somewhere about what 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 was it the two hundred and eighty five million dollar potential renovation of key arena for NHL and NBA. Um and so there there were some questions laid out about that. And then yesterday, I think it was yesterday, you reported that there's a group in in New Mexico that would be interested in actually funding that. So tell me what's going on there, Jeff. What's happening with Key Arena? Well what's been happening and I'll give you the broader context of it. What's been happening is is um I, I know from my end I have been filing a, a bunch of records requests, public records requests, not just with the city of Seattle but with all three of the municipalities that have been uh, engaged in arena building. Uh, that would be here Bellevue and Tukwila. Basically to find out what the heck's going on in in this area because I'll tell you what, the one thing in sports reporting and I know this because I've done sports reporting for years. The, the big difference I find between sports reporting and news reporting is, is that a lot of the sports reporting tends to rely too much on quotes, too much on what's coming out of people's mouths, rather than actually going and, and looking for the harder documents, the, the evidence, so to say, so to speak, of things. I mean, you know, we can get anybody on the phone. I can get the mayor on the phone. I, you know, others can get if they want Chris Hansen on the phone. I'll get Ray Bardazak on the phone. These guys can all say stuff. But really, that's not journalism, just sticking a microphone in somebody's face and letting them talk. You actually, if you want to find out what's going on, you have to actually find out what's going on. And you can't always rely on people to tell you what's actually happening behind the scenes. What you can rely on is public records. And, and, and when it comes to arenas and figuring out that stuff, that, that's a huge part of the equation. 
And, uh, you know, we have been doing it. We've been at this for, for months trying to gather these <clears> records. Uh, I know when the ACOM report that you just referred to came out on Key Arena, uh, I, I had gotten that in a public records request uh, towards, I'm trying to remember, it was probably around September the 16th, 17th. I actually got it when I was on a beach in Hawaii. That was part of a records request I had filed weeks earlier uh, with the city. Um, and I, I think I got it. I think Chris Daniels got the report. And I, I think the Puget Sound Business Journal got it as well. And so I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know what to make of that report when I first got it. I, I'm glancing at it on the beach on my iPad, looking at it, and, and, and I'm saying, huh, okay, is this an old thing? Is this a new thing? Didn't really know what to make of it. Put a little check mark to go check it out. And, and I actually didn't get it right away. I had to get back on the horn with the city and tell them to send it to me because I, I just saw a mention of it in, in an email. So they sent it to me. Didn't know what mm-hmm. to make of it. I said, I'm going to... I'm preparing a bigger thing on hockey. Let me let me look back on it in a, in a day or two and, and make some calls. And next thing I knew, it was out in a story um, because I wasn't in a position to write a story, but some other people beat me to it. And, and the report was out there, which is great. Um, the question that I have and, and I continue to have is why this why it took a public records request and more than two months for anybody to find out about this report's existence when the city paid to have it authored. So that's number one. Um, Number two, I, I've got to tell you that I have been engaged in an ongoing battle, I would say. I, I don't think that's an unfair statement. Ongoing battle with the city of Seattle, and particularly uh, with regards to the mayor's office, in getting them to release any public documents that they're required to release by law, any public documents pertaining to the arena. Um, the stuff that I got uh, about this latest news that came out um, yesterday and, and is in today's paper. <clears throat> Uh, the stuff that I got about the group in New Mexico, I mean, that was part of a records request that was supposed to be fulfilled with me uh, several months ago. And um, the city has delayed releasing this stuff. They have another ongoing request for me uh, that pertains to die- anything that's been released up until the end of September that they're already two weeks behind on fulfilling their estimated delivery date on, and they've had no explanation for why. So they're they're not getting the documents out to us in a timely fashion. Uh, you know, it might have had something to do with the election campaign we just had. Um, maybe nobody mm-hmm. wanted to be talking about this stuff during the campaign. I mean, I can speculate about it. All I know is that they've been very slow in giving out the documents. And, and you know, that's not good for anybody. It's, it's, it makes my job more difficult, which is fine. My job's difficult anyway, so I'm used to it. But, you know, if you're a citizen of Seattle uh, or Bellevue or Tukwila, you have a right to know what's going on with your government. We shouldn't be finding out about stuff that's happening in, in, in July when we're already uh, midway through the month of November and the request was filed uh, initially in July. So, you know, you right. take a few weeks normally to get it, but it's not supposed to take months and months on end to deliver this basic stuff. So anyway, we finally get a packet delivered to us um, uh, around 4 o'clock, I would say, on Tuesday. I ran out, sprinted out, got the documents. I didn't know what I would find. I had requested it on certain individuals pertaining to the mayor's office and the hockey front, and there it is, boom. Fourth email I looked at was a reference to this guy who had approached uh, this guy, Christopher um, Brozovich, uh, from the company um, MT Phoenix, based in New Mexico. Strange name for a New Mexico company, but it is what it is, MT Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it said that, hey, lo and behold, they had approached the city, on July 21st, asking, telling them, hey, we, you know, we might have interest in fun, financing a key arena renovation. Now, for me, that's a big deal because if you remember when this report from ACOM came out saying that, hey, guess what? You can't guess uh, despite everything we thought we knew about key arena, it turns out you can't actually re- renovate key arena for NHL and NBA, and 
you know, this huge architectural firm that the city paid to do this report says that it can be done for $285 million. So that's number one. It, it doesn't matter what you and I think about it. It doesn't matter what sports fans out there thought they knew about it. What matters is that this architectural firm that the city hired, not the port, the city of Seattle hired, says that it is doable for $285 million. So that was big news in my mind. That, that mm-hmm. news should have been out there a little earlier than it was. So anyway, it's out there now. But then the big, you know, the, the, the people who wanted to dismiss it right away are saying, well, that's fine and good. Who the heck's going to pay the $285 million? Are you going to leave the city on the hook for that? That's not much of a newsworthy item because nobody who's going to pay for this thing. Well, it turns out this group had come forward offering to look into paying it uh, way back in July, and nobody even gave them a phone call back. Now, regardless of where you stand on this story, regardless whether you want the arena in Soto or in Bellevue or Tukwila or wherever in Timbuktu, I don't care. I mean, that, that that's an interesting thing, that somebody is calling up the city, somebody is saying, we've got this company, we, we're in touch with hedge fund guys, we might look into financing this thing. You know, I think at the very least what you have to do is give them a call back. You have to at least right. do your due diligence on that. I mean, I've heard all kinds of talk. People have asked me, oh, is this a real group? Right now, are they legit? I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I can vet them. If, if the city wants to pay me, I'll go out and, and vet them. I'll look at them. I'll do a whole, uh, you know, beyond a, a basic check. I checked them out originally. I mean, they are who they say they are. They are people working in that industry, and they do have a company website and all that. We've looked up. They've been doing business. Uh, some of the key players have been doing business for years. We looked into that. They're not just a bunch of college guys doing a prank on somebody. They're 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 real right. people. Now, are are they? good enough to do this? I have no idea. But you have to, you you don't have that discussion right now. What you do is you pick up the phone and you call them back and you say, we got your letter, or you email them and, or, and you say, look, uh, we're not ready to entertain offers at this time. You do something. You don't just let it sit there for months, not ever call them back, and then let people in the public think that, yeah, there's nobody willing to pay to refinance Key Arena. So for me, that, that was a story right away when I saw that there because that answered the question that people had, you know, people were having about this ACOM report saying, you know, who's going to finance this key arena renovation? Well, you've got somebody stepping up here right away that already offered to do it, and nobody's calling them back. So that the journalistic side of me afterwards asks, okay, why is that? Why is nobody calling them back? And then you look into these other documents, and, you you know, you, you start to get a more mental picture. Um, and I know I've right. run off on a whole speech here, but but I think for me that's what's been missing from this debate for, for quite a while, this, this entire arena question. We, we've had a lot of talking. We've had a lot of, you know, we've had the EIS come out, and, and it looked at key arena to a certain degree, definitely, but that was before the ACOM report came out. So the ACOM report actually changed uh, some of the dimensions of, of, of the discussion that we've been having. The problem is nobody wants to change those dimensions because, and, and, and I can understand why, because, you know, th- th- we are getting close to the end game in Soto at this point, and, um, you, know, you know, there is a big street vacation vote, but theoretically, if that were to pass and, and theoretically, if they were to get an NBA team uh, to, to come to Seattle, you could actually get a Soto Arena built. But, you know, that's that's not my problem. I, I don't have money in the Soto Arena. I don't have money in any of the other arenas. I don't have a stake in this game. What I want to know is, you know, is, is the city looking at every opportunity to see whether or not it's got the best deal that it can get right now? And I think anytime somebody comes to a city saying that we're willing to look at a, a project worth hundreds of millions, I think you have to at least pick up the phone or, or politely tell them, you know, we're not interested or politely ask them a question that says, uh, you know, at this point, 
why don't you, you know why don't you tell us what your plan is? But nobody did that. So you, right. know, you can't expect to see all kinds of drawings and, and, and sketches and, and renderings and everything from a group like this because they're not going to do that unless somebody picks up the phone and says, hey, we saw your initial proposal. Uh, why don't we talk some more? That, that's how these things right. get done. So uh, and so I wanted to say when, that when because you talk- it's very important that, that we, we get that into the discussion at this point. Right. So right. go ahead. Ask when you talk I, to I'm the, talking a lot. That's okay. When you talk to the, to the guy in New Mexico, um, I forget his name. Christopher Brozovich. Yeah, yeah. And he said that um, they would be willing to pay the money if it made uh, financial sense for them. Uh, Do you have a sense how much they've investigated to see if it does make financial sense for them, or were they waiting to investigate any further until they heard from Murray? Well, I know that they've been following uh, what's been going on here, and I know that they read the ACOM report and they agree. Uh, what Brozovich told me is they agree with the finding. They said they were interested in this even before the ACOM report came out. They were interested in looking at uh-huh. what could be done with Kiarina or, or that air, in that area. They were interested in making some kind of investment in the Seattle area, and, and that intrigued them. And then they saw the ACOM report, and that made them, that, that made them even more confident that, that they might be able to find a match here. But uh, and, and this is important, too. These guys didn't come looking for me to say, hey, the city's not – talking to us. Uh, we, we've been waiting four months. That wasn't what happened. What happened was I got these long-delayed documents given to me by the city. I found these guys on my own. I put in the phone call to uh, to Brozovich yesterday morning, and he was shocked. He's never talked to a reporter before, and the last thing he expected to be doing, he told me, was to be talking to a reporter. And so um, uh, he told me that they had, they had put this uh, idea on the back burner uh, months ago because they figured they, they said well, he was frank with me. We've got a lot of things going on in our world. We've got a lot of projects that, that we're trying to make happen here. The last thing we need to be doing is chasing our tail, trying to make something happen when the city can't bother to pick up a phone and call us back. So they said, there, right. you know, we we weren't going to pursue this to the ends of the earth. If there's no interest, there's no interest. So they let it go. And right. you know, they said my my phone call was the first they've heard of this thing since since late July. But they're still interested. Uh, if anybody ever right. wants to call them back and entertain this. But clearly, you know, from what the mayor told me today, um, you know, the city's not interested in pursuing anything beyond um, the Soto project. Could be right, right. in the end. I you, mean, that could be the best project for the city. But it, it's it's hard to know if anything's the best project for any city if you're not going to explore alternatives. It's like, it's like saying, it's like somebody who's never been in New York saying they hate New York compared to this city because this, that, and the other. If you've never been there, if you've never looked into it, you have no way of having that opinion. So, it, it's that's always been right. my, my attitude towards 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 not only city governments towards anybody. If you're going to say something, if you're going to take a position, that's fine. But you you really owe it to yourselves to explore all all avenues uh, to some degree, right. or at least to write somebody back. That that would be. Uh, so do I'm you know? Surprised do you know if these guys? Do you know if these guys have had any contact at all with any of the ownership groups? Uh, what Brozovich told me was that uh, they put in a, an, an inquiry to Chris Hansen. They said the last thing they wanted to do was step all over Hansen's project uh, if he actually had a binding right. agreement with the city. But he said we saw, we saw he only has an MOU, which is, is a little different from a, a binding, legally fast and clear contract. And so, but, you know, they said uh, they reached out to Hansen to see if uh, um, they were interested, and they never got a response. So, so right. they moved so, on. Okay. And okay, this, and yeah, so you know the purpose today, in writing my the purpose in writing this story isn't to 
say, hey, there's another group here. There's, a, you know, we're going to have Ray Bartoszak and Tukwila, and we're going to have Chris Brozovich, Christopher Brozovich in, in Key Arena. That, that's not the story. The story is that there was a group that reached out to the city to look into funding Key Arena, and the city didn't bother to pick up the phone and call them back. That's that's right. what's going on here. And, it, you know, and if the city's fine with that, then it, that's how they do business, then that's how the city does business. But I think that the citizens of Seattle have a right to know what's actually going on in city government here. And that was uh, what we found in public records. And that's what you will find if you look into Bellevue and you look into Tuckwilla. That's how we found out these projects exist. You do it by digging up public records. You can't do it by interviewing, right. but by asking the mayor because they, they you know, of Bellevue or the mayor of Seattle, because they're not always going to tell you what's going on. Uh, and so today uh, you did an update on the story. I believe you actually, did you actually talk to the mayor? Today? Yeah, he called me when I was. Uh, he called me. I, I was actually on my way to Olympia to cover the gambling co- Washington State Gambling Commission hearings on fantasy sports. I actually just got back into town from those. So yeah, he called me. Um, he called me. I would say uh, about eleven thirty this morning. Right, and he was basically saying in no uncertain terms that at this time they're not uh, looking at other alternatives because he felt like he was um, obligated to the current MOU to see that through? Is that basically the gist of what, what he was saying? Yeah, that, that's that's the gist of what he's saying <clears throat> for now. And I tried to press him a little more on whether this is a legal opinion that was given to him by his lawyers, uh, and, and and his hands are tied. He can't go beyond that. And, and he kept steering that away from that and towards, um, you know, that he made a commitment to Hanson when this thing started, and he wants to see that through. You know, and again, right. you know, that's that's what he says. Can you take that on face value? Uh, I, I can take some of that on face value because he's been consistent on parts of that. But we also know from looking at the documents that were given to us in this records request that he had uh, his legal team looking for way, looking to see whether he was he was going to be able to help groups that were looking at Key Arena. And, um, you know, he says he's received the legal opinion on that, but, uh, you know, I, I wasn't given specifics on the legal opinion that they received. Right. Um, maybe that will come out in some of the documents that we're waiting for uh, that are now two weeks overdue from the city of Seattle. That's uh, And, you know, if it sounds like I'm a little ticked off about <clears throat> some of this, I, I, I really don't try to get too emotionally involved in this kind of stuff, but I think I, what, what upsets me more isn't necessarily that politicians are, are hiding records from us or delaying records or, or not fulfilling their requests. It's, it's sometimes when, when, readers or sports fans don't want to understand why we're doing this where I'm not doing this because I got nothing better to do. Um, I'm not doing this because somebody told me, Hey, there's Chris uh, Brozovich and, and let's throw a distraction out there to ruin the whole Soto thing. This, this is something we've been doing with every municipality. If you'll remember the Bellevue thing, we came out with a, a, a big column, an overview on a hockey situation a couple of weeks ago. And, and the one thing, I did learn through records requests with Bellevue through repeated record, not just one repeated records request and back and forth and a little bit of arguing and fighting with the records people in Bellevue. I mean, we learned that this wasn't an all private project that was going to go out there. At first it looked like it was, but it's not. These, these people were asking for that $200 million commitment from the city of Bellevue. And the re- yeah, reason surprising. we found that out, yeah, it surprised me too. Well, I, we had gotten a hint of it. One of the first requests that I filed, there, there were these little scraps of paper that were written on these handwritten notes from a meeting in July that mentioned a $200 million figure. And I was a little, I, I didn't quite know what that referred to. It was only scribbled on, on paper notes. And so I kept a note of that mentally. This is back in, I think it was July. And I filed a new request. And, and on, on 
certain other people looking for clues about that $200 million. And I actually got a record back from one of the lawyers the city uses as, as a consultant, a guy named Jay Reich. And um, he had actually written a whole detailed summary of what the ownership group was looking for. This is prior to a meeting that the city of Bellevue uh, people were going to go into with these, with, with the Bellevue group. And he had outlined their whole, their whole thing. He said, don't bother even having the discussion unless you're prepared to come up with some way to find the 200 million, because this is what they want. They want a $200 million commitment. And he outlined everything in there in this letter to other city officials telling them exactly uh, you know, what what kind of things the city could explore to, in order to get that to that $200 million figure. But he made it very clear in this memo that, that it, the whole discussion was a non-starter unless there was a $200 million commitment of some kind. So did they have, when you get that, do you think they had designs on the $120 million, or not the $120 million, but the, the $80 million that the county had put towards Soto? I, 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 Hey, that's a good question because I'll tell you what, on that same scribbled handwritten note that we saw the initial $200 million figure on, there was another uh, there was another reference in there to calling up uh, the county and asking about uh, their, their commitment. But it was scribbled notes, and I never actually got an answer to that question. But that was the first thing that ran through my mind that was that they, they were going to take a look at the county and maybe try to get some of that money if if, if it didn't end up working out in the, in the soda area. But we never got any concrete documents or answers on that question. We did get it on the $200 million, which is why I, I ran with it a couple of weeks ago um, because, you know, that was good enough confirmation. It wasn't just scribbled notes. That was an actual letter from, from a lawyer right. and outlining the whole position of the other side for his people. And so that, you know, that that's why you do these records requests because that's where you're going to find uh, the, the downside to them is that they take a long time and they take a, way, a much longer time if the city doesn't um, if, if the city doesn't act in good faith and they keep withholding stuff right. and they keep trying to delay stuff to get past elections and things like that. And this is the reality that we deal with every single day, trying to get to the bottom of what's going on in, in all of these municipalities. And, you know, when you're doing all this nitty-gritty, the one thing you have to do as well is you have to keep your eye on the big picture. You have to know what's going on big picture-wise, and sometimes it spells everything out for you about what's what's happening. And so you see, you can't just focus on the minutia. Um, well, I mean, I, I know why I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm a very intelligent person. I like, I tell myself that anyway. I, uh-huh. I, I can tell you, I know exactly why uh, somebody wouldn't want any of this stuff getting out about key arena now. I mean, obviously the, the Chris Hansen is very close to having a vote done on street vacation. And once he gets over that hurdle, that that's that's going to really really clear the way for him to get this built if he can get an NBA team. And so if you're the mayor of Seattle right. and you're, you're you're all these other people, I mean, are you going to really want to start introducing all these other things into the mix uh, at the last minute uh, when you're that close to maybe getting something done over in Soto? No, you're not really going to. It's a big major pain in the neck. But that's if you're the mayor of Seattle. I'm not the mayor of Seattle. Neither are you. Neither are some of the taxpayers here. Um, your taxpayers, right. you pay your taxes, you're going to want what's best for the city. And that, that's why we do these things, just to see whether or not there was enough, to, there was enough debate done on the ACOM report. I don't think there was. I, I think it was very surprising to me that this, this was kept quiet for so long. And But now it's out there, and anybody who wants to have a debate about it can. And we're actually hearing people talk about it now, which is great. Right. You know, I'm not saying you right. got to go rebuild Kierina. It might not work. Uh, but they did rebuild the stadium in Anaheim for the baseball team rather than blow it up and start a new stadium. Again, they saved mil- hundreds of millions of dollars by 
renovating it into a very nice ballpark. So we know that that kind of stuff can work for certain places. Maybe it won't work for Key Arena, uh, but we don't know. But at least people know about it now. So if people out there want to have this discussion and want to say, hey, why aren't you doing this or why didn't you do that? They can do it because they know. Um, if right. At the end of the day, they still want to go ahead and do Soto. Then go ahead and do Soto. But just it, it's better, I think, if everybody knows what options are actually on the table and can have this discussion. It's much easier to do it that way and shoot down the idea than to not, never have the discussion, to hide things behind closed doors and then find out about them later on. That that's not what you want to do in a public consultation about an arena that's that's going to be a major a major project for the city. Right. Um, so recently, one of the things you reported, Jeff, was that uh, back in early July, I want to say maybe even July 3rd or something like that, that uh, Ray Bartizek had uh, his main investor back out on him at the last minute. And I recall when I read the report at the time that it kind of made sense because everyone thought that Ray was going to apply for expansion, and then he didn't. And so, um, and then you, you thought that maybe uh, there was a chance that he might uh, back out at some point and as of a week ago I heard definitively that we that he was still that he was still working on it. Do you know what the status of, of his project is right now? Yeah, I spoke to him this weekend and um as far as I know he doesn't he, he, that investor he was looking to bring another investor in and that did not pan out. Um uh he told me he's still he's still optimistic. He's still he's still staying in it for now. Um the one thing that okay. I've learned from various records requests with Tuckwilla is that there's a fixed amount of money that Ray Barta, that, that, that the city of Tukwila is spending for now on getting their EIS done. Uh, Ray Bartizak had to make a commitment. I, I don't have the papers in front of me. It was something like $300,000 that they could spend, they could commit up to that amount of money towards consultants that are working on the thing. I've got the paperwork at home, but I'm sitting in my car right now, so it, it's not around me. But there was a fixed amount of money. It was a six-figure fixed amount that, that the city of Tukwila could spend on consultants for the EIS, and then they would get paid back by Ray Bartizak in installments of I think it was fifty thousand at a time. So every time they need another fifty k, they would they would go to Ray Bartizak, he cut them a check, and that's how they're paying for the uh, EIS to get done in Tukwila. Well, okay. at some point, I think it's later this year, that money is going to start to push up against its threshold, and you know at that, at that point. You know, Ray Bartoszak's going to have a decision to make. Does he want to keep going with this project when he can't find a major investor? Is he going to uh, keep taking money out of his own pocket? Because right now he's committed a nominal amount relative to what, you know, somebody like Chris Hansen's poured into buying real estate uh, in the Seattle area. Hansen hasn't lost money. He's going to make money on the real estate that he bought. But, I mean, he has committed some significant amount of money to that. Uh, Ray Bartoszak has not done the same thing. He's got options to build all over the place. So, he really hasn't put big money down and, and other than spending money for the consultants on the EIS, but at some point he's going to have to put more money down and he's going to have to have a frank discussion with himself. And he's going to have to ask, is this worth pursuing more when I don't know if I'm ever going to have an investor that can help me get this thing built? Um, and, and, and so from what I was told a few weeks ago, we were getting close to that threshold and he was hopeful that uh, this new investor would pan out. The new investor has not panned out, uh, but he's still, uh, on the lookout, and he's still ready to keep going for now. That's what I've been told, and so the EIS is continuing in um, Tukwila, and you know, if he's willing to finance it, it can keep going right to its fruition. But at some point, he's going to have to put money down to get a to get an arena built, yeah. and so that's that's the problems that they're facing in in Tukwila. It's it's 
you know, and, and as we find these things out through various records requests and various conversations and stuff, I mean, we change our outlook on how projects are. I mean, project, the Tagwala project looked like a really good deal uh, a few months back, and right. it, it still could be, but right now, you know, we're looking at it with a, a degree of skepticism. The Bellevue project, you ask anybody in the city who knows what's going on with that, people that are involved in sports and high finance, they'll tell you that probably would have been the best project, the best, perhaps the best arena of the three because of the players that were getting involved in it. Uh, but that fell apart as well at, at the last minute. And from everything I've been told there, that thing is pretty much dead at this point. The fact that Todd Laywicki took a job uh, as COO of the NFL um, tells you just about everything you need to know about that. Because Todd Laywicki, right. I will believe this till the, you know, for everybody I've spoken to, and I will keep on believing this for years, Todd Laywicki uh, was probably going to come in and become either president, CEO, or part owner of that uh, operation in Bellevue. And, you know, he ended up taking the NFL job. I think it was a few days after that thing in Bellevue fell apart. And so the fact that he took yeah. that job and left, that tells you it's kind of it's kind of dead in the water for now. It'll, it'll probably get revived if nothing happens in Soto. I mean, somebody will probably come along and pitch another idea there. But for right now, I'm told that that plan is dead in the water. Right. And so we found out uh, in the last week or so that uh, the NHL is not going to make a decision in December uh, like people have been expecting on expansion. Uh, some of us were hoping that maybe he was kicking the door; they were kicking the doors open a little bit for the Seattle groups to get their act together. But it seems like uh, uh, Bettman said earlier this week that no, that's not the case. Um, so, are, are we basically well, hold on. Let me, hoping let me just for relocation at this point? Let, 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 let me quickly stop you there. Uh, Bettman said that, right? He said that. But right. it gets back to the beginning of our discussion. I mean, you can't, in, in this game, you cannot rely on what anybody says. And, and, you know, I'm not calling Gary Bettman a liar. He's been very honest with me. He's been very forthright with me. Uh, and, and most of what he's told me over the last two years has panned out. But just because Gary Bettman says that doesn't mean it's true. And if you were to ask me my opinion on it, I, I think based on everything I've seen and heard, uh, there, there's no good reason for the league to be um, to be stalling on expansion to either Quebec or Vegas at this point, you know people I know people have mentioned this. I've seen them mention it, and and, and they mentioned the Canadian dollar concerns. And and the people who are saying that right now, they they don't really understand the situation in Quebec. The the Quebec City group is so well financed. I'm from Quebec. Don't forget the Quebec group, right. and, and I know people who work for Quebec or which is basically the group that's behind the whole Quebec project. Quebec War is a major media conglomerate. They've got the TV part of it all worked out because they run TV networks down down in Quebec. They've got a huge cash infusion they just won from a legal settlement over there. Their coffers are full of money right now, hundreds of millions of dollars. They are probably the, 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 the best thing as far as ownership goes that the NHLs had come along in, in quite a while. The Canadian dollar is going to fluctuate, and it's not going to go back up probably for another – two years it probably won't get above 80 cents for another year and a half two years but but that's hardly a concern over there uh so if you ask me the truth the reason the nhl is, is waiting around is for the seattle situation i think they want to see whether or not they're going to get this street vacation and it makes perfect sense that would be why ed murray's trying to rush to get this thing done by the end of the year because the nhl is delayed now uh their expansion announcement and if they delay it until january february they could know whether or not the street vacation is going to go through and once that happens um, I think that would be enough for the NHL to see that, yes, there is going to be an arena come here. You're going to have all kinds of appeals afterwards, possible and stuff like that. But once the mechanisms approve, 
Um, you usually can start construction uh, once you get a master use permit and, and all the other permits. That's usually a, a, a really good sign because very rarely are you going to see a project torpedoed on appeals. Um, once you get shovels in the ground, it's pretty hard to stop something like that. So to answer Any your question, that, that would be on... exactly why the NHL would do it. Okay. Any movement at all uh, while we're on that topic on an NHL First Amendment? Not that I've heard of. Um, now, I talked to Jeff Marks, who's Victor Coleman's, uh, one of Victor Coleman's uh, big sports, um, what would you call it, sports consultants. And uh, I talked to him a few weeks ago because I asked him about the ACOM report, the ACOM report on Key Arena because they were showing that. And, uh, you know, he told me they're keeping that on the back burner as an option for now if things don't work out with Hanson. But right now he says that they're totally trying to work everything out with Chris Hanson. Uh, but then in the next breath I asked him, have you gotten anything worked out? And he says, no, we we still have we still have, uh, a lot to work out. So um, yeah. as far as I know, there is no uh, significant progress towards uh, towards an NHL first agreement. But you never know. Sports, things can change overnight. You know, and maybe it has yeah. changed since I since I spoke to Jeff Marks. So um, it's highly possible yeah. that that happened. Okay. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show. You're you're turning into a pretty good pretty good friend of the show. I think this is the third time we've had you on, and uh, I hope to call on you again later in the season. Yeah. No, I'd like to come back on. I hope that you know at some point when I come back on, we're going to actually have a Seattle hockey team to talk about. Uh, you know, whether it's playing yeah. in Zoto Arena or, or someplace else, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, this is an agonizing process, I know, for every sports fan in the city. It, it, it's a headache for me, let me tell you, to have to follow all the ins and outs of this. But, um, you know, the one right. thing I want to make sure of when this thing gets done is that, you know, we don't wake up six months after the fact and, and say, hey, you know what, this this might be a better deal for the city or, you know, did somebody explore this avenue? Did somebody look into that? And, uh, you know, we right. might not know until five, ten years down the road. I mean, they're still going to have a key arena issue to resolve whether or not it's it's going to host NHL or NBA. They're still going to have to figure out a use for it within the whole new uh, transit infrastructure they're planning for Seattle Center. They have to figure out how that whole place integrates together. And so there are a lot of questions beyond just hockey uh, to be resolved when it comes when it comes to these, these sports venues and, the, and these sports issues. So it's just my – I'm hoping that if your readers – and your listeners, you know, read my stuff and listen to some of this. You know, they take it the way it's meant to be. It's meant to start a discussion about things. It's not meant to be the final word on it or to recommend Seattle Center or, or uh, Tukwila Arena over Soto Arena. It's all about uh, just telling you what's there, what's out there, and what's been around, what's been floating around for a while, and we're going to keep doing it. When we get new documents from the city, we're going to publicize the ones that actually should have been publicized if, if they need to be made public. And, uh, yeah, I hope to come back on in the future and talk some hockey with you. Yeah, definitely. All right, Jeff, well, thanks, and we'll talk to you again next time. All right, sounds good. All right. That was Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times, and um, and uh, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of the Seattle Simbin. Um We will be back next Tuesday for a regular episode, and who knows what will happen between now and then. Talk to you guys later. Thank you.
Sin Bin with Paul Rogers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 